Trollodren, Legends and Lore. Episode 20, Saradell. Well, hello and welcome to Trollodron Legends and Lore. I'm Chad Corey. And before we get into this particular episode, I want to do another little quick public service announcement here. For those who already know about this, please bear with me. I appreciate that. For those who don't, Triumph of the Wizard King will be coming out August 31st. It is the third book in the Wizard King trilogy, and it kind of wraps everything up, wraps the series up and sets the stage for maybe some future things in uh, hopefully the not-too-distant future. Uh, it will be coming out, like I said, in print, in digital and audiobook format, and it should be available in libraries, bookstores, online, just about anywhere you can find books, information, you know, audiobooks, whatever. It should be there. And if you still want to, you can uh, have an opportunity to pre-order it now before the, end, before the 31st happens, and it becomes available for direct order. Uh, I encourage you to do that if that's something you want to take advantage of. Also, if you want to learn more about it, you can go to my website, chadcorey.com. That's C-H-A-D-C-O-R-R-I-E dot com and read some more information about it. There should be some sample, uh, a sample chapter up there, some sample readings, and some reviews and other fun stuff. You can learn more about the book. Of course, you can also research the other books in this series as well on the website if you want to take a look at that. Or just take a, a sample if you want as well from a library or bookstore, check out a book, buy a book, whatever, from the series, and see if you want to invest more time in book three. But like I said earlier, it will be coming out. It will be available, uh, as far as I know, internationally. Like I said, especially when you get on Amazon. I said that before. It's basically international anyway. And it will be uh, tied to some type of promotional efforts. I got some stuff you can see on my website again, chadcorey.com, little tour and other things we're doing there to kind of promote it and uh, get the word out there as well. And I think that's where I will leave it at that. So thanks again for your patience on that. And uh, I do appreciate that. Well, for this episode, we're going to talk about Saradell. And she is kind of a unique deity. Again, I keep saying that, but I guess everyone's kind of unique, aren't they? Uh, but she is more interesting in the sense that she envelops what I guess you can say is kind of the classic seer goddess you know the goddess of fate and the future and all that kind of stuff but uh, it's kind of in a different way well, let's let's talk a little bit about who she is in general relationally first she is the sister to Girthgal, ganatar drayden othone astolak asora and kutho she is the aunt to perloza remanas Casilla, and indarian and she is the mother of shirill and the wife to drayden and she's one of the gray gods and she is, like we said, married to Drayden, so she's one of those gods and goddess couples that are married in the pantheon, but she is also one of those that is not in the traditional marriage sense. She is basically lives on her own, Drayden lives on his own. They're kind of more, I guess, homebodies, I guess you can say, of that kind of thing. They're more scholarly in their pursuits, mystical in their pursuits, what have you. And they don't really necessarily go on dates like every day, every night, but they do get together and have a relationship and such. Obviously, they've had you know relations before because they have a kid named Cheryl, and we'll talk about her in the, in the future uh, future episodes. But they are—I don't want to say she's kind of aloof or, or, or 
are different in that sense, but she's not necessarily someone you would think of as an overly emotional goddess, shall we say, and not someone that most people would necessarily be super enthralled to to make their deity of choice or, or you know, submit themselves to them for the rest of their lives. She's, again, she's not, she's not seen as necessarily a negative goddess, not really seen as necessarily an overly beneficial goddess. She's kind of like, yeah, she's kind of there. Obviously, if you had an infant, a situation where you needed her help, she would be the one to, to reach out to because you want to know what's, what they're supposed to do, you know, the fate and fortune, get an oracle or something to kind of help you with, with what's going on. But in general, you know, day-to-day life, they're not necessarily going to look to someone who who does that kind of stuff. They might pay her lip service for people for a like good fortune or you know, maybe they're thinking they're tied into luck somehow, but it's not necessarily something that people really would you know dedicate their lives to for service or or in in general to be their their priest that's why it makes even where her priests are as far as their commitment level even at such a higher level because not only did they decide to serve her but in order to serve her in order to get the benefit of having these supernatural gifts to to see into the future to do these things in in a future sense they are having to give up one of their parts of their their body or a sense or something so whether it's you know touch or or sight or hearing or you know problems walking they give up some element of themselves in order to temper the and better work with and receive and and use and appreciate the benefits that she gives them as as her priest so even that alone is not something that encourages a big turnout to people to be her her priests and priestesses so it's kind of a select group a select club and as such she's not necessarily that well received or well i don't want to say well received she's just not necessarily that thought of i guess you can say in general in most cities although she's very has a very different view by the people of the western lands particularly the patriots elves who are very much into her and 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 Drayden in general as as a race and they've been that way for you know thousands of years and that's the way they're probably going to be for the thousands more but outside of them it's they're not really strong in advocating or evangelizing her to different races and most people like i said just kind of leave well enough alone unless you're a major major city there might be a temple or a shrine dedicated to her but in general like i said she's outside of the uh, the light gods Grey gods are kind of the in-between people anyway. They don't really have a large group of people they follow into or have a good following that way to generate enough income and interest for people to build these temples and maintain them and stuff. And so they're kind of not, not on the fringes, but they're just kind of relegated to more larger population centers in general and, and certain segments of the of the world, like we said, the Western lands and, and things like that. So let's talk about some of her titles. They include the Enlightened One, Mother of All Knowledge, Spawn of Dreams, Queen of the Stars, Our Mistress of Destiny, and the Oracle Goddess. And her symbol is called the Eye of Fate. And those that have been reading along in the Wizard King trilogy will probably know what that looks like. It's a stylized representation of an eye. Basically, it's priests wear the Eye of Fate as a pendant with a fine silver, brass, or gold chain. The pendant itself has the white of the eye made from mother of pearl with a crystal pupil and then thin lines of gold to act as the iris tying it all together. And this is all held in place by the eye's silver stylized outline. And again, this is something that is worn by the priests in general and is pretty much uniform as well as far as 
how it looks and how it's portrayed. There's no real major variation like there might be in other priests and other parts of the different religions of the gods. And of course, like I said, she is the goddess of fate and time. And those are elements that are cosmic element of time, of course, is something that is a very big element in, in, in reality for a lot of people, for a lot of obvious reasons. And so she has a great degree of respect from the gods because she is supposedly able to see and and uh, foresee different things that will benefit them uh, for good or for ill they'll be able to use it or you know maybe not be able to stand against it so that to accept their fate you know that kind of stuff so she's able to give them an overview of stuff that might prove beneficial but she's also someone who is kind of mysterious because they don't really know what she's really about. I mean, they trust that she's for them, kind of for the most part, but they don't really know the full extent of that commitment. And they don't really know, you know, is she really just telling us this to kind of string us along to accomplish the fate that she sees? Or is she expecting us to change the fate that she shares? So again, there's, there's some, like it's not ambiguity, but I guess ambiguity in, in there. So they're, they're kind of uh, don't have a hard time reading her. They trust her, but she has this, this annoying tendency to not always give clear, concise information to them, leaving them with the challenge of deciphering what is being said and what is being conveyed in her messages when she's sharing about future and fate and stuff like that. And that tendency is kind of shared as well with her priests. And that's another reason why people don't always like going to the priest because they don't always give a straight answer. They give, I don't want to say a flowery answer, but something that is open to interpretation. And that has led some people to think they might be like scam artists or things or not really being authentic to what they believe because they just kind of make things up and want you to kind of fill in the blanks and so on and so forth. But in general, there's no real variation in her, her religion. Everything is kind of uniform and the same. Again, if you're following along, you'll see that in the books, the trial uh, with uh, the Wizard King trilogy. Generally, how she appears, like all the first generation gods, she's 15 feet tall. Where the unique elements come in is that she is totally bald, totally shaved head, with pure white eyes, which you might think makes her blind, but really doesn't. She sees just fine, they're just pure white. And she has kind of a light brown cast to her skin, which is a unique characteristic to the uh, the gods in general. And she just tends to wear more like she kind of she goes barefoot more often than not, and has very uh, limited attire for the most part, uh, which you might consider we might consider like a a halter top or you know some type of uh, what do you call that. Not, not a bra or brassiere kind of thing, but just kind of a, a subtle top piece of clothing that you might expect from like a He-Man character or something from, from the animation or, or toy line back in the day, if that makes any sense. And then, of course, she wears her her, uh, her flowing, I don't want to say it's a reach cloth, but something like that. I guess uh, the word eludes me at the moment. That's typically what she wears. She is known to have a lot of... Uh, Jewelry in general, which she wears, that's kind of her major accessory since she doesn't always wear a lot of uh, full clothing, shall we say. But she's not like naked or scantily clad in, in the sense of like seductiveness. She just more of like you consider like, like a He-Man kind of figure, basically. Uh, but again, she's not one to look to make herself look salacious or, or you know seductive in any way. She's just more more mystical and, and priestess-like, if anything. And she spends a lot of her time, like I said, in the 
in the environment of her realm, which is Sooth, and that's where she hangs out and basically spends a lot of her time meditating and seeking the future and, and seeing what is to come and where her part is in this and just getting a greater grasp of what what's involved with that. She also is known to have the Omnian Scrolls in her possession, and I haven't really talked a lot about that. They're kind of a mystical hidden thing in the historical account of Trolodrin, but basically I mentioned them way back last season with Omni and how he wrote down things in the scrolls that pertain to the future. And they got into the hands of uh, Zora, uh, Vakar's wife, who tried to study them, who was also a lady of time, and she wanted to try and figure out where these things were going, what these might uh, pertain to, what the portents might be, so to speak. And she was not entirely successful in discerning that. And those scrolls wound up into the hands of Cyrodiil, who is kind of basically, if you want to think of it as the extension or the continuation of Zora's efforts. And so she kind of took on those elements from her mother and has been doing that ever since. And she might or might not have some information about those and what might be coming next. You will just have to stay tuned for that, whether it's comics, graphic novels, books, whatever the story might be pertaining to. There might be some more elements and some fleshing out with that as well. Again, I don't want to give away too much of that, but basically she's in possession of that husband since her mother died, and she has been studying them very uh, kind of quasi-religiously ever since, trying to figure out what that uh, pertains to with the Pantheon and other stuff in general, as well as just getting a better understanding of how the nature of time works and how things can be uh, understood and appreciated and maybe even improved upon as well in general. Again, she is married to Drayden, so they're kind of making a very interesting couple because he's a very very scholarly type of uh, individual himself, as you know from a previous episode I talked about him. And one of the poetic things that were said about him by, by followers and people in general over the years is that when they first met, he said something to the effect that, you know, I've, I'm now complete because I've mastered the what has come before the history and the learning of what's come before and you are mastering the, the fate and the future of what's to come so together we are completer or something like that you know, obviously they did it more poetically but you know he kind of represents studying the past and learning from the present she represents you know understanding the future and bringing it into the present so it's kind of they they complete each other in that sense and they're kind of in that sense a very unique couple that tend to get along very well i guess obviously since they have a kid uh Cheryl. And they still are on very good terms. And she's been a very uh, faithful wife, a very friend and strong advocate for Drayden as well. And she is not necessarily super active on the Council of the Gods. She just is there. I don't want to say as an observer, but she is part of the Grey Gods. And she just hasn't always had a very strong opinion either way on a lot of different things. She's you know kind of walked the line or helped people come to their own conclusions for the most part she's probably oh one of the only guys i can think of right now off the top of my head that has been more likely to abstain from a vote than make a vote and so she's maybe been in that sense not as participatory as the other gods have in voting and such but she does show up she does participate as far as meeting and getting you know discussion going and stuff like that and they do ask her counsel and she shares it when she's able to but in general, she's not necessarily someone who is, I guess you can say, a political being in and of herself. She's more, like I said, more of the scholarly bent in her pursuits and nature. And that, of course, plays well into those that follow after her. You're not going to see the people that follow her. In fact, there's kind of a strong inner code of ethics, shall we say, that they are adhering to the priests 
of Cyrodiil when they, they're careful with how they share things, why they share things, when they share things with people in general, and what they do with their, their service in, in general overall. And so there's kind of a, a higher level of dedication and focus and uh, mindset that you might not find necessarily in other other branches or, or flavors of religions on Trilodrin. So that also makes you unique and also kind of weeds the field as far as who is permissible and allowable to be entered into the, the priesthood, let alone who, who remains a priest. If you start violating those, again, initial codes and conduct and things, you're not probably going to be remaining there for much longer. So I think that's what we'll wrap up for this episode with Sarah Dell. Hopefully, like I said, it gives you a nice thumbnail sketch of who she is, what she's about. Again, if you want to see more of her in action, do check out the Wizard King trilogy. She'll be making more of an appearance in the upcoming book, Triumph of the Wizard King, as well. In the meantime, if you have any questions, concerns, uh, commentary, whatever you want to pass my way, feel free to do so at lore, that's L-O-R-E, at chadcorey.com. That's C-H-A-D-C-O-R-R-I-E dot com. Otherwise, thanks for taking the time to take a listen today. I appreciate it, and we will see you next episode. This podcast is copyright Chad Corey. All rights reserved.